0: I don't have any witty banter to start with. I know. This I don't have. Any. <laughs> I think we're just tired. <laughs> uh no.
1: Welcome to episode 347 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Brian Levin. And I'm Marshall Bach. Welcome back for another episode, Brian. Brian. <laughs> Got a good one today. Yes, we do. Let's get into it before we do. Got to shout out our golden ratio supporter this week. It's Float once again. Are you still using spreadsheets to plan your projects? Dummy. Float's a resource management software built for creative teams. You can add your team's roles, departments, work hours, schedule off time, public holidays, and remote work days. So you always have the truest view of your team's availability. Learn more at float.com slash design details because you are no doubt thank you float thanks float we also have some new uh vips this week marshall some very important pixels huge shout out to sabine ehe mo cups mo cups you know
0: less plates mo cups Cups. very good (laughs) actually i guess it'd be fewer plates fewer plates fewer plates anyways
1: mo cups nicole talon shelly huang omid and liz chen y'all are the best thanks everybody thank you for those of you who don't know we are a listener supported podcast every week on the show we have a segment called the sidebar which sidebar, is a su- sidebar. <laughs> sidebar, sidebar sidebar, which is a supporter only segment uh for our patrons so if you go to patreon.com slash design details for just a dollar a month you can sign up and support the show and you'll get access to the sidebar in this episode. All past episodes and every episode going forwards. In today's sidebar, we talked about learning in public, digital gardening, and me trying to convince Marshall to write more. <laughs> yeah, you, you blindsided
0: me with this with the sidebar topic, Brian. Uh-huh. Huh?
1: So if that sounds fun. Head to Patreon.com/slash. Design details. Thank you to everybody who's already supporting. Thank you. Okay, Marshall, a little bit of follow up. So, uh, last week we talked about quality software. The listener asker, Kevin Gutowski, tweeted at us and said, you know, thanks for talking about it. That was cool. Mm -hmm. Uh, He and I have been chatting in private about this idea of like, how do we visualize these four quadrants of designer, user, Attention and intention. Mm-hmm. That's something that you and I have struggled with as well. Like, how do we visualize those quadrants without it just being word soup or like being too high level, so that it's just fluffy and like design thought leadery? I don't know. Yeah. So, anyways, thanks again, Kevin. Uh, we also heard from Divya. Talk said regarding quality software, there was an interesting that one of my friends who works with Six Sigma talked to me about. Hmm. One way of wastage is over processing a higher quality product than the customers need. I found that to be a super interesting variable too, providing more than what the person wants as a way of wastage, like uh, giving the person who needs to get their groceries a Lamborghini. I don't know, is that, a, <laughs> is that an apt comparison?
0: Or like somebody who who needs a Civic and you get them a Lamborghini? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: yeah it's just a it's just a bunch of stuff. When you build stuff that nobody's ever going to see, that's just a bunch of wasted effort.
1: Yeah, but <sighs> I don't know. I guess that's where the data and foreign part comes in, right? Like, if you're building things that's that nobody's using or not taking advantage of, like mm-hmm. you don't have the right audience or you're not marketing things or educating people well enough. I don't know. I feel like providing too much is an indicator of something else having gone wrong, but agreed that it's still wasted nonetheless. Mm-hmm. All right, we also have some early work follow-up. This tweet comes from Lua Yu-Yong, who shared, literally the first app I designed during my first user experience class in sophomore year at college. It's a safety app that shows you how safe your surrounding area is and alerts you when there is an incident that happened. Looking at it right now is just cringe. It's not bad. I mean, there's... Johnny Johnny Ives uses it. Yeah, um... I mean, it's not as bad as some of the stuff we've looked at, honestly. Yeah, like, no, this is this. Could you shouldn't be, be cringing that hard. Um, I've I've done way worse. Don't you, worry. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah, this is cool. Uh, thanks for sharing. And also, it kind of it's like a predecessor to like a uh, next door or something because this idea of neighbor or like nearby security seems like it's kind of caught on. Uh, we also had another person share some early work. This one comes from Jordan Koche, who says, "Okay, I'll bite. Here's some terrible work from early in my attempts to be a designer. This was for a in quotes company that a buddy and i started in college 10 ish years ago how nah, that goes yeah it's a little bit of a thread but the company was called shadoodle which was a way for you know college campus groups to get uh merch like t-shirts mm-hmm. and uh yeah we have some archive.org screenshots of the website that i have open and uh you know fine like actually it's there's like clear calls to action and text. It's not great, but I love the beta tag, Shadoodle Beta. Yeah. There's some nice touches here. Oh, um, yeah. I love that beta tag. And also, Jordan was saying that, you know, early on, this was like before he was, it sounds like this was before he really dug into what mobile design was. He hacked it so that he loaded just like a mobile version of the website inside an iframe and then placed that iframe inside, you know, a picture of a phone frame. So it's sort of thing fake an interactive phone that would just get put on the home page. I don't know. Creative. Anyways. Okay. Links in the show notes for people who want to look at Jordan's work. Uh, thanks for sharing Jordan.
0: All right. So our last bit of follow up comes from me, Brian. I've been, I did something
1: secret. What did you do?
0: Okay. So, well, you're
1: hitting me. You're now you're hitting me with something cold. <laughs> this is a IRL reaction. What's up? No, no,
0: no. You know about it. You know about it. So, well, I did a little experiment recently where I started panning each of oh, us slightly oh, yeah. into the left and right ears. So instead of both of us being right in front of you talking over each other, there's a little bit of separation so you can tell the voices because I think we've heard back from people that they can't tell the difference between our voices. So uh-huh. Brian is always on the left, and I'm always on the right, slightly right. So it's not like you're only hearing out of one ear, though. That's really annoying. But no one's noticed. No one's <laughs> written in. No, uh, maybe they have noticed, but nobody has brought it to our attention.
1: It's very subtle, and I, I I noticed it this week for the first time when I was doing show notes, and it's very subtle. I would I don't know what's your shift, like five percent left or right? Yeah, I mean, in in
0: logic, it's negative five and positive five, but it only goes up to like sixty four or something like that. So okay. More than 5%, but, okay.
1: but not that much. Yeah, well, it's a nice touch. I, yeah, I'll yeah. i be curious now that people know that it's happening, if they'll write in and say, oh, now I'm, I'm noticing Marshall's on the right oh, side, yeah. Brian's on the left I side.
0: I knew the whole time. Yeah, <laughs> I just didn't say anything.
1: Uh-huh. Uh Well, that's cool. I like it. I like that you're experimenting with the audio. It's fun.
0: It's an accessibility thing, Brian.
1: Yeah. Orienting us in space for the listener who cannot see us. I love it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Cool. That's follow-up. Uh, We had one tweet this week, which is so cool. It's very cool, but it makes me nervous for a reason that I shall explain thusly. So this tweet comes from Vincent van der Muehlen, who built a plugin for the Design Details website, which is so fucking cool. Um, So it looks like the way it works is it adds a button to each episode listing on the episodes page, and it says Mark is Played. And if you click Mark is Played, it feeds into some kind of recommendation engine so that at the top of the page, before any of the episodes begin, there's a section that currently says "You know where to get started. As soon as you mark something as played, that will switch to recommended for you. Mm -hmm. And the way it does this is it gets all of the design details episodes on Vincent's server somewhere and uses the descriptions to compute similarities. So then based on what you've marked as played, it can suggest... Follow on episodes. Wow. Which is really cool. Um, yeah. Is this a browser extension? I don't know. He, Vincent says this is open source, but I didn't see a link to the actual source. So maybe we'll get a link in the follow up. But this is so cool, Vincent. I'll tell you why it makes me nervous. It makes me really nervous because you have built something on top of the structure of the DOM that now I'm nervous to change because it will break your plugin. Oh. So damn. Because, yeah, like, what if I want to redesign the website? It's going to break this. Mm-hmm. Ugh, it's hard being a responsible designer. <laughs> okay. Well, this is cool, Vincent. You've given me some stuff to think about. Um, but either way, uh, we'll have a link to this tweet in the show notes. It's really cool. Like, learn as you go, figure out what episodes you might like. I guess you would probably want a way to mark. Mark is played and then say, I liked this or I didn't like this and kind of go the opposite direction.
0: Just because I listened to it doesn't mean I liked it. It's hard to believe, Brian, but not every episode we make is a complete
1: home run. Bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) Main topic, time. Marshall, we got a listener question this week comes from Fabio Giolito, who said, in a recent episode, Brian says, I'm not a great graphic designer. I'd love to Mm -hmm. hear more about this. Design is a visual medium, but there's a misconception that all designers should be good at making pretty things like marketing pages, illustrations, icons, logos, etc. I love systems and flows, solving problems and designing interfaces. When I try to make a marketing page or logo, I feel frustrated and imposter syndrome kicks in.
0: Oh boy, Brian, this is what I like to call designer bingo. Uh, there's Imagine a big sheet. Another matrix, if you will. you know, uh-huh. how I love my matrices. Uh-huh. Five by five, and there's a bunch of different fucking things you can be a designer about. <laughs> like you could be a good at icons or good at logos, or good at illustration and or like all these different things. But it's like mix and match, man. like some of these, some of those, you know, if you have bingo, then you're a fucking unicorn and everybody wants to hire you if you have uh-huh. enough of the if you have uh-huh. enough of the slots taken up. but. For the most
1: part it's like none of us fill out the whole sheet. You can't. It's impossible. Yeah, unless you're unless you're crazy good. I mean, this is the there's like two core ideas here, right? Like one is this idea of a T-shaped designer, which is the generalist, like you're good at a bunch of things but you go deep in one or two things. Like it's mm-hmm. fine if you're really good at systems and flows and thinking about user experience and the visual part you're not as great at or like certainly when it comes to icons and logos and illustrations, like yeah, maybe you're not good at that. So that comes into the second point, which is this is why teams exist. (laughs) I've gotten very comfortable being a shitty marketing page designer, being a shitty icon (laughs) designer. I can't design a logo to save my life, but that's fine because you know what? I get to work with people who are actually really good at that shit, and then those people maybe aren't as good as the stuff that I'm good at, like Mm -hmm. creating a flow or like designing an interface that a a user would use. So yeah, it kind of comes down to the team. I don't think that it's anything to be ashamed about to be a designer who can't design a marketing page. But I think we should probably caveat this because I think what I have seen most often is people extend this idea of like, okay, I don't have to be good at everything and then they ignore certain parts. Like they say, Mm -hmm. oh, I don't need to be good at visuals so I won't focus on, or I I won't learn visuals. And I think Mm -hmm. that's where we end up with folks who are, I guess, okay, words are hard here. (laughs) Nobody be offended. But like I think the people who would self describe as like a UX designer tend to land here. They're like I'm good at wireframing, I'm good at thinking about systems, I understand like constraints and all this stuff. I just can't execute on the visuals. I think mm-hmm. there's a type of person that fits in that that role. Mm-hmm. And I think there's people that hire for that kind of role. I think the struggle for me when I talk to people like that and those people want to be product designers Is the reality that you just got to step up your visuals a little bit? I don't think it's expected that you're doing logos or branding or even illustration, Mm -hmm. but being able to slap together like a usable marketing page or at least have an interface that you've wireframed make it look good, like that does sort of feel like table stakes.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I think as long as you know enough to not get called out on doing something egregiously bad, right? Like I'm not the best baseball player. But I know that if I hit the ball, I run to the right, not to the left, right? Uh-huh. That's an easy mistake to make if you don't know any better, though, right? Uh-huh. Like uh, Maybe it's clockwise. Clockwise actually makes a hell of a lot more sense than counterclockwise. Uh-huh. Anyways, it's that type of thing, right? If you can get past making those easy mistakes, then you're in good shape, I think. Yeah.
1: But that that's
0: the table stakes is like, don't make the big mistakes.
1: Well, I realize... I kind of left off this last sentence of the question, which maybe is useful here, but it says, um, I'm not comfortable with the subjectiveness of visual stuff. Fabio says, you know when something is bad, but the gray area of taste and trends is way too big, while in UX there's more rules and logic involved. I think we could even push back against that, right? Like, I think that there are rules and logic involved in making good visuals. and everything, yeah. It's harder when we're talking about illustration and logos I, I, well f- first of all i don't know shit about doing either of those things i couldn't mm-hmm. do it to save my life but for visuals there's certainly rules and i think we've talked about them on the show like you would think about visual hierarchy you would think about contrast you would think about the use of color you would think about typographic hierarchy you think about mm-hmm. light direction and shadow like all of those things are visual elements that make an interface more usable so i think that kind of comes back to something that we've yeah i would brought up several times like there are certain guiding principles here that you could learn that like you said these are the rules of the game right like once you know them you know them uh, or at least you can start to work on them and practice them Mm -hmm. yeah just to sympathize
0: here i am far more into systems and flows than i am visuals but i also love the visuals but like here's what i'm curious about brian what squares do you have checked in your designer bingo? Like, which ones do you hit? Which do, ones do you think you're actually like? Yeah, I'm. I'm good at this.
1: Uh, Brag for me, Brian. I think, I think I'm good at. This is like pulling teeth, dude. <laughs> this is fucking hard.
0: I got a list of shit. I think I'm good at. Come on, hit me.
1: Uh, I think I'm decent at interface visuals. I think I'm okay at product thinking like figuring out how people will use a thing like discovering the way or discovering problems like articulating problems and then navigating towards like the solution Uh, I think I'm okay with type hierarchy and I think I'm okay with color but I am not good with iconography I'm not good with illustration I'm not that great with copy I think I'm okay uh, I would say I'm average at copywriting what else I'm average at front end development like good enough to be shitty you know that kind of tier of CSS writing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, what about type design? Oh, 0 percent. Yeah. yeah, okay, maybe even negative
0: percent. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, same. Okay,
1: <laughs> you do. What's your what's your bingo
0: board look like? Okay, so I am good at iconography. I, uh-huh. I feel like that's one of my strengths. Uh, I am good at copy. I think.
1: <laughs> uh huh. Mister corrects typos in his text messages. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well. Uh, yeah, it's a proclivity of mine. So, uh, I think I'm also good at visual hierarchy. Like you, like you described type of hierarchy. I'm not good at color. That was one of the ones you mentioned. I'm, I think I'm good at interactions. I think I'm good at product thinking. Yeah. Product thinking, not so much of like, uh, business thinking, but I'm, I'm pretty good at product thinking of like information, architecture, how a page should be laid out, where something should go gestalt and like understanding how humans will collect things together, either visually or mentally.
1: I'm okay at logos. I'm okay. Okay, well, well here, let me, let me hit you with this. I think there's a school of thought that says you should lean into your strengths. You should figure out the things that you're good at and you should just play into them. Mm-hmm. This is what's going to get you hired. This is how you start to specialize. This is how you become an expert in a field. Mm-hmm. That's one school of thought. And then the other school of thought is improve your weaknesses if you are aware that you're bad at something go get better at it what if i told you these were not mutually exclusive brian they're not but let's say that a constraint is people don't have infinite time they don't have infinite energy so they have to choose no you don't hmm? have
0: you ever watched like a gary vaynerchuk uh podcast from back in the day like the wine library media shit like back no. in the day is that uh-uh. what it's called wine library whatever This was one of his big things. And this is part of some of the inspiration or like motivation that got me to get the job that I got was like anybody who says they don't have time, unless you're working like three jobs and have eight kids and like literally have no time, you have time. You just are using it on other stuff that you want to use it on, right? Like you didn't need to watch that marathon at the office, right? Like you could have been doing sorry i can tell i didn't mean to cut you off and like do a okay whole point
1: point taken like there should be some level of prioritization here if you wanted to do both but maybe let's just get your gut sense if you had to choose between one or the other in your day day job would you choose to lean into your strengths or spend your time improving what you're weak at strengths why
0: probably uh because that's how it can be most useful and and justify my salary is if i'm doing the stuff i'm good at at, at, at full speed yeah uh what's really nice is i don't have to make that choice is i can learn 10 to 20% of the time and be fully effective the other 80 to 90% of the time and it's just as good right uh, there's not a a marked difference in my output so i'm always growing a little bit always constantly but i'm also like trying to also grow in the stuff i'm good at just cuz i'm good at it doesn't mean i'm like peak right like yeah. there's still plenty of things for me to learn
1: yeah i mean i i feel like This leads me into one of my struggles with side projects is in theory a side project is a great opportunity to get better at what you're bad at. Like, okay, one of my side projects will be design a logo or make an illustration or like pick up something in these areas that I don't spend my day job working in. Mm -hmm. My problem is as soon as I do that, I feel very slow and I feel very unproductive and I feel like I'm wasting time. I think I feel beholden to perpetual productivity and I feel bad Mm -hmm. if I'm not being productive. Yeah. So I have a really hard time getting better at the things that I know I'm bad at because that first ramp up is fucking slow and painful and it's like, oh, I could have used all that time doing way more things in areas that I'm already effective. I could have had a way more output, solved way more problems.
0: Here's something, here's a little pro tip for you, Brian, or yeah, something that, that fun, I've found. It's, it's something I have to continually remind myself of, but... Like at the beginning of a, of a learning process, you're going to have revelations pretty frequently early on. They, they become less frequent as you know more things and there are fewer things to have revelations about. But those happen super early on. And I always forget about that. I always remember the pains of like having to learn those things. But that spark of like, oh, cool. I know. Oh, I get it. I fucking get it. You get a lot of those early on in the learning process. Mm-hmm. And those can be like self-motivating little things where it's like each one gets you to the next one. It's hard to start, but once you get started, every revelation motivates you for the next one. For me at least. Do you feel that way? Yeah, right?
1: that's a good point. Yeah, like the things that you're already good at, those those revelations are much more rare and probably much more nuanced. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. Well, this has been our our riff on your question here, Fabio. Let us know if if we missed anything. I feel like Don't beat yourself up if you're not great at some of these things. Like This is what we're all here doing. We're just trying to fill out that bingo scoreboard or not even fill it out. Just like point to the squares that look interesting and places that seem fun to work in, places that feel fulfilling to learn about, and you're not going to check all the boxes, and that's why you get to work with people who will check the inverse boxes to you and, and build great partnerships. All right, well, let's wrap up then. Get into some cool things.
0: Okay, my cool thing is a little utility or a little little application we've been using for the past, I don't know, maybe like two or three months, Brian. Uh-huh. Uh, we've been using it for the show. It's an application called Notion. Uh-huh. It is a, it, it, how would you describe it? It's like an organization app, kind of like a notes app, but you can use it for all sorts of stuff like calendars and matrices and tables and all sorts of shit.
1: Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's. I a, don't know how I would describe it. I, I'm not a power user, but I know that people are figuring out really creative ways to use this as their second brain because you can organize and link information together in interesting ways. Yeah, like, it doesn't behave like a normal document editor with like a directory of your files it's a little bit Mm -hmm. more organic than that right
0: yeah it's what you want it to be it's it's basically just a series of tools that you can use however you want to and 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 it's a toolbox yeah complete yeah it's a big toolbox and completely free hierarchical organization you can link things between like there's really no concept of it's not like a document where there's like it's a text field and you put stuff into the to the text document like no Every single thing in any given document is a chunk of whatever. It could be a bullet list,
1: it could be a table, it could be a link. And you can like section things in interesting ways, right? Like in our show, we have like two side-by-side sections for cool things, and we have like a nice header with structured data like calendar pickers for when the episodes are going to be published. Yeah, you can have nesting. Yeah, the each document can have metadata that's
0: associated with it. You can choose from separate tags or whatever. So every episode we have tagged differently depending on what we talk about that episode. We have a template that we've set up. So we just kickstart every episode with this template and fill it out before we go. I don't know. I've been really enjoying it. What do you think, Brian?
1: Uh, It's fine. I don't like it as much as other people like it. I haven't gravitated towards it for personal use. And there are certain interactions that drive me so nuts that I couldn't see myself using this day to day. Two of them in particular. One is I don't like that every section is like draggable there's a way to get into a state where like you've selected a chunk of stuff but you can't easily drill into that chunk of stuff like you've selected a paragraph but it's hard to drill in so that your cursor is selected in the paragraph um and then there's just this other thing where if you paste a link you can't keep typing because when you paste a link it like opens this really annoying prompt like a tooltip hover after you've pasted the link that intercepts your keyboard commands you can't just paste and keep typing so any tool that overrides the way i expect a keyboard input to work mm-hmm. i can't get behind it i mean i guess mm-hmm. i'd get used to it at some point but i would just prefer something a little bit more plain text yeah we don't have to continue using it i just i, I like no, to no, no. M- I mean, mess it's with perfect new stuff for everything else I, i'm just yeah. saying this is why I, I couldn't make this my second brain because these quirks would be too annoying for like daily use. Yeah, and
0: I don't know how to recommend you use it, listener. It's, like we said, it's kind of like a it's a tool shed, and you go in there and you yeah. make shit, and yeah, it's whatever you want it to be. Well,
1: I'll, I'll put a couple links in the show notes because Effie sent me a YouTube video this week of somebody sort of documenting how they use notion and then a friend of the show joey banks just recently published a blog post on his website called my setup in notion and it goes over how he uses it for daily logs journaling health tracking a learning library uh keeping track of people like uh joey has turned this into a crm it's like keeping track of contacts and when you last caught up and what you talked about that kind of stuff so we'll have links to uh further reading for anyone who's interested in adopting this. Maybe people use this for work, too. Yeah, I mean, I think people use this at startups, too. This is like mm-hmm.
0: a, Because it's all interactive and multiplayer, so you can have many people in a document, but
1: I had no idea that you had so many uh, well-defined thoughts. Well, it was like two. Anyways, that's my cool thing. Cool. Alright, well, mine this week is a book that I just finished. Um, I, I heard about it because the author, his name's Jonathan Safran Foer, he was on the Armchair Expert podcast, which is hosted by dax Shepard. And I, I like that show. And he was on a while ago, and the interview was phenomenal. Like, this dude interviews like a fucking champ. Okay. <laughs> he's so good. But he was so good that I'm like, all right, I need to check out his book. So he's written a few books in the past that I've, I've heard of. I think I've read one of them, but I can't remember it. So he's written in the past, Everything is Illuminated extremely loud and incredibly close here i am oh. and then a book called eating animals you know this guy
0: yeah i've heard of these books before i've never read any of them but I've, I've heard of this
1: so my my cool thing this week is his most recent book it's called we are the weather subtitled saving the planet begins at breakfast and here's my here's my 30 second review this feels like one of those books that has A before and after like your your world is one way before you read it and then afterwards it has planted a bug in your brain that makes it very very challenging to go back to the way life was kind of like waking up out of the matrix it's like are you you red filled brian dude we're going to talk about the matrix in every episode from here (laughs) so it, it is about the climate it's about the food industry it reads very well. like it's very personal. It's narrative, telling stories. Is it preachy? Not really. I think it's like it's explaining why preachy is bad. Like there's an entire there's an entire chapter which I found to be one of the most compelling chapters. It's called like arguing with the soul, and it's him writing as his internal monologue, debating with his external self. Mm-hmm-hmm. And it was a good chapter, so, anyways, I would recommend it. I enjoyed it, and I feel like there's a before and after to it. So, if you are interested in hearing more about this, check out We Are the Weather. That's my cool thing of the week. Cool thing, let's wrap. That's been episode 347. Hope you enjoyed it. Let us know what you thought. We're on Twitter at design details FM. Follow us, tweet at us. We love hearing your thoughts. Of course, if we missed anything or got anything incorrect, you can also tweet us and we'll have that in follow up for next week otherwise if you need more podcasts go to spec.fm that's our podcast network for designers and developers just, just like, you. like you and if you want to ask your own listener question go to our github we'll have links in the show notes of course but just github.com slash that'll lead you down the path to the design details repo and then just open an issue with your own question that's where we can keep track of things so we, we're backlogged but we we do check in on that and we're slowly working through it so thanks to everyone asking questions and thank you to uh fabio for asking this week's question all right well that's it and uh, we hope you have a good week we'll catch you next time bye
0: Most good logos, or most logos that I like a lot, have a little fucking pun or a little like trick in them. You know, something that you might not notice. This this is the you know canonical FedEx FedEx arrow, right, or the Amazon smile, uh, but also like A to Z, right? It's that kind of thing. So, like, I feel like really good logos, and mostly, and maybe this is my bias, but a lot of logos that I've seen that aren't the major corporations are on dribble. And usually those companies don't exist. It's like somebody came up with a good pun and then made a logo out of the pun. Yeah, you know what I mean? And like, oh, what if I what if I like overlapped a, a elephant and a giraffe and like it could work for like like Giraffica or something? You know, what <laughs> uh-huh, mean? Uh-huh. I just made that shit up. That was good.